beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design, and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the world to see Jesus. So, triggered, I'm really excited about this. That the preferred future that is laced with God's mercy was triggered by the finished work of Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection became the trigger, alright, for us to experience the ever consistent flow of the mercy of God. That's very powerful. Now, as we go into this session today, this is going to be such an elaborate, elaborate teaching. It's going to be an elaborate teaching where I'm going to be shedding light on a lot of things concerning the mercy of God. And it's going to be very instrumental for your understanding. This teaching is going to be a classic for your understanding of God's mercy. Now, first things first. Alright, God in dealing with sin did not just clear sin like as though sin did not exist. He did not just gloss over it. Alright, sin had to be punished. Alright, there had to be a punishment for sin. And Jesus was punished in his body for the sins of mankind. So I want you to take note of that as we begin. God did not just clear sin. Sin was not just cleared. Okay? There had to be a punishment for sin. And what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection became a sufficient punishment for the sins of all of mankind. That's very, very important. Now, in dealing with sin, in dealing with sin, I want you to understand something called propitiation. Another word for propitiation, as we are going to see in scripture, is mercy seat. Alright? Propitiation, mercy seat. Now, you cannot talk about the mercy seat without going all the way into the Old Covenant. Please, I want you to really pay attention to this. Without going all the way into the Old Covenant to talk about the tabernacle. Alright? Because the mercy seat was a... was something that was found in the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant was found in the Holiest of Holies and the Holiest of Holies was found in the Tabernacle. So I want you to please take note of certain things that I'm going to be mentioning right now. Number one, please write down the Tabernacle. The Tabernacle. Write down the Tabernacle. Number two, write down the Ark of the Covenants. Interesting how I'm going to touch on all these things in about 45 minutes today. Please write down the Ark of the Covenant. Number three, please write down the Atonement. Number four, please write down the High Priest. Number five, please write down Sacrifice. Number six, please write down Sprinkling of Blood. 
Number seven, please write down acceptance of the people. Number eight, please write down supply and provision. Now, if you follow the entire stuff that I have just um, outlined, I want to outline it again. Number one, the tabernacle. Number two, the ark of the covenant. Number three, the atonement. Number four, the high priest. Number five, sacrifice. Number six, sprinkling of blood. Number seven, acceptance of the people. Number eight, supply and provision. Now, if you follow all that I have just said just now, you will find out that for the people of Israel, for the children of Israel to experience provision and supply, there had to be the accomplishment of the tabernacle from the tabernacle all the way to the sprinkling of blood. Very important. Without all of that, the people will not be accepted before God. And I'm going to show you in scripture that these are not just thoughts from my imagination. These are actually real. So we're going to start with the tabernacle. Um, because many times when people read the Old Testament, they don't know what to make of it. You know, many times it just seems like... Um, a far-fetched thing and they don't just know what to make of the old covenant so we're going to use this teaching today to really help us and really help us hallelujah so um, first things first let's start with the tabernacle alright and then we'll go into some some other stuff now the tabernacle was um, actually created and designed by Moses and when we look at scripture as I'm going to be showing us in a bit you'll find out that the tabernacle the idea of the tabernacle was that it was meant to be created after the fashion of what was revealed to Moses so Moses did not just build the tabernacle Alright, he built it after the fashion of that which was revealed to him. In other words, he built it after the pattern of something which existed in heaven. Alright, so the tabernacle on earth is actually a picture of what exists in heaven. Let me show you um, some scriptures to buttress that. The book of Exodus. Let's look at Exodus chapter number 25 and verse 9. Exodus 25 and verse 9. Look at what the instruction is. This is as Moses was building the tabernacle. The instruction that was given to him is that I'm reading from the CEV. It says, make it and its furnishings exactly like the pattern that i will show you in other words the tabernacle and all of the things that was going to be in the tabernacle please follow carefully was made after a fashion that moses was going to be shown in other words moses did not just cook up these things it was made after a heavenly fashion it means that there is a similitude or there is an exact tabernacle in heaven alright and it is out of this tabernacle that the earthly tabernacle was created 
Okay, so now that's the first. Let's look at another scripture so that we can we can um, further the same Exodus twenty five. Let's look at verse forty. Exodus twenty five and verse forty. It says, and they must be made according to the pattern that I showed you on the mountain. So you see, everything about the tabernacle is made after the fashion of what was shown to the man so Moses was shown these things and he was supposed to come down alright to make the tabernacle on earth to be after the fashion of that which existed in heaven now let's quickly talk about what this fashion was very quickly so in the tabernacle there was the outer court there was the inner court then there was the place called the holies of holies it's in the holies of holies that's where you will find the ark of the covenant and i'll show you scripture as we go on you find the ark of the covenant in the holies of holies and this ark of the covenant is laced with a covering that is made up of gold i will talk about the significance of the significance of the color gold so it's made is laced with a covering um, of gold and that covering of gold is called the mercy seat okay now also you have the high priest going into this is very important you have the high priest going once a year on the day of atonement the high priest goes into the holy of holies all right to offer up sacrifices all right on behalf of the people the sacrifice was supposed to be that of a blood, um, that of the blood of an animal, which was now going to be sprinkled. All right, it was going to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. So the sacrifice of blood was going to be sprinkled. Another word for sprinkled is the shedding of blood. See, so it was going to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. And it is based on God's acceptance of that sprinkling that the people will be accepted. And if the people are accepted, then the mercy of God, all right, now flows to the people in, in relation with provision and supply. Okay? Now, this is very important. This is very important. The spiritual acceptance of the people was what created the physical supply of their needs, not the other way around. The spiritual acceptance of the people, the people had to be accepted, had to be accepted spiritually before their needs, their physical needs were met. It means that their physical needs could still be met without them being accepted spiritually and now for the for the israelites it is not a thing of joy that their physical needs are met if they are spiritually not accepted by god you know we flip it around today we like we don't care whether you know we are you know our relationship with god is good or not or whatever so long as our needs are met in fact many people assume that the the fact that our needs are met 
is the basis upon which God is pleased with us or it is the proof that God is pleased with us and if our needs are not being met then it is proof that God is not pleased with us well that's really sad because under the old covenant these guys could for one way or the other have their needs met but it did not mean that they were spiritually accepted by God and the other thing that is important be please follow this this is very important the other thing that is important is that there is no way they were accepted spiritually by God without their needs being met so you see one can exist without the other but the other causes a trigger of the other you see so that people are spiritually accepted by God causes a trigger of all their needs met but people can use any means to have their needs met and it doesn't mean that they are accepted by God you see I have to teach us as a church to magnify what God's what God magnifies to make a big deal of what God makes a big deal of and what does God make a big deal of he makes a big deal of the fact that you and I are accepted by him praise God so let me not go ahead of myself okay so the presence of the high priest is the basis when he goes into the holy of holies he offers up those sacrifices and based on the acceptance of that sacrifice um, God is either pleased with the children of Israel or not so if that sacrifice is not accepted then God is not pleased with the children of Israel now there's something that you must know about the quality of the sacrifice it simply had to be without spots and without blemish alright so now first things first like I said earlier God did not just gloss over sin sin had to be punished and it was the punishment of sin the successful punishment of sin that became the trigger for the flow of God's mercy okay now um, let's go into scripture because I've shown you that the earthly tabernacle had to be had to follow the pattern of that which exists in heaven so it means follow me it means that if there is a mercy seat in the earthly tabernacle then there is a mercy seat in in heaven if there is the high priest in on earth in the earthly tabernacle then there certainly is the high priest in heaven you see if there is the shedding of blood on the mercy seat on earth it means therefore that there has to be the shedding of blood on the mercy seat in heaven this now brings us to the true meaning of Christ shed his blood because many people think that Christ shed his blood on the cross no Christ did not shed his blood on the cross Christ had to shed his blood like after the pattern of the old covenant he had to shed his blood on the mercy seat that's where Christ shed his blood but don't let me be the one to say all of these things let us go into scripture and let scripture do the talking so to further buttress the idea that Moses created the tabernacle following the instructions 
of a heavenly pattern I want to show you some more scriptures Please turn your Bibles to Exodus 26 and verse 30 Exodus 26 and verse 30 Look at what it says Look at this Let's read from the King James Exodus 26 and verse 30 Look at it I'm building something It says verse 30 And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle According to the fashion thereof Which was shown thee on the mount You see So he wasn't just erecting A, a physical tabernacle He was following a pattern He was following a template You know he was following something That he was shown On the mount Alright, so he was following that template Okay, let's look at another scripture The book of Numbers chapter 8 and verse 4 Numbers 8 and verse 4 This is going to really help you This teaching is going to really help you To understand how that you now have access to the mercy of God how that you now have access to the mercy of God Alright, let's look at Numbers 8 and verse 4 Look at what it says It says And this work of the candlestick was beating Was of beating gold Alright, it was of beating gold Unto the shaft thereof Unto the flowers thereof Was beating work According unto the pattern which the Lord showed Moses, so he made the candlestick. So can you see that, let's look at one last scripture, please take note of these scriptures. The book of Acts chapter number 7, Acts number 7 and verse 44. Acts number 7 and verse 44. Look at what he says. He says, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. As he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. You see that now? So that is established. Alright? Moses made the tabernacle after the fashion of what he had seen. Okay, so now, now that we understand that Moses made the tabernacle after the fashion of what he had seen, it now behoves us to go to scripture to see exactly what the tabernacle held or what it represented. The book of Exodus chapter number 25 and verse 17. Exodus 25 and verse 17. So we have touched on the tabernacle. We talked about the fact that the tabernacle was built after the pattern that was revealed from heaven. So Moses did not just do his own thing. He followed the pattern that was revealed from heaven. Okay, now let's go to the ark. Alright, because that is a major content in the tabernacle. In the Holy of Holies, you will find there the ark. So, Exodus 25, 17 to 22. Exodus 25, from verse 17 to 22. Look at what it says 17 Now look at this In the ark you will find the mercy seat Now look at this It says And thou shalt make a mercy seat 
Okay, let's read from verse let's read from verse 16, okay? Is that okay? And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give to you. Okay, let's start from verse 14. Let's let's look. And thou shalt put the stars into the rings by the candles by the side of the ark and the ark that the ark may be born by them. You know what? I want to help you. That's why I'm actually going all the way back. So, um, let's go to verse 1. Okay? Exodus 25. Let's start from verse 1. We'll just read very quickly so that you can have a context to what we are sharing. Praise God forevermore. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, said unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, They are to bring me an offering, every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, he shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them, gold and silver and brass. Look at this, gold and silver and brass. I'm going to talk about these three things very quickly. Gold represents our divine righteousness. Silver represents redemption. Brass represents judgment. Now, can you see that in the Old Testament, without the shedding of blood, righteousness, redemption, and judgment was demanded of the people? Righteousness was demanded of the people, which they could not attain. Redemption was demanded of the people. They had to bring turtle doves. Judgment was upon the people if they did not follow the instruction to bring something that represented their redemption. All of this was demanded from the people. But well, let's continue. Alright. And and purple and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair. Alright. Verse 5 And ram skins dyed red And badgers And badger skins And sheeting wood Oil for light Spices for anointing And for sweet incense Verse 7 Oil stones I'm reading from the King James And stones to be set in an effort And in the breastplate Let them make me a sanctuary That I may dwell amongst them According to all that I showed thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. So he's, he's instructing Moses now. He's telling them, he's telling Moses what to do. We can see that after the pattern again. Okay, so let's continue. And they shall make an ark. You see this. So the content of the tabernacle in the holy of holies what you will find there is an ark they shall make an ark of sheeting wood two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof alright a cubit and a half the breadth thereof and a cubit and a half the height thereof now verse 11 and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it, that's the ark, okay? Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it 
a crown of gold round about lovely and thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it and put them in the four corners thereof and the two rings shall be in the one side of it and the two rings shall be on the other side of it speaking about the legs of the ark and thou shalt make stars of sheeting wood and overlay them with gold verse 14 and thou shalt put the stars into the rings by the side of the ark and the ark that the ark may be borne by them be borne by them verse 15 and the stars shall be in the rings of the ark they shall not be taken from it now look at verse 16 and thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which i shall give thee now please pay attention to this because it says you will put in the ark the testimony which i shall give thee in other words you will put in the ark my accounts because very soon as we go forward i'm going to show you what is inside the ark of covenant and the bible says that it is referred to as god's testimony in other words what is in the ark is referred to as god's own account of things wow you get this in a minute you're going to get please just take note of this the content of the ark is god's testimony the content of the ark is god's testimony and i'm going to come back to that now it says and thou shalt make a mercy seat look at this so inside the ark you're going to put the testimony of god in the ark then you're going to make a mercy seat of pure gold two cubits and a half shall it be shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof so the first question that we want to answer is why is the mercy seat made up of gold why is it made up of pure gold why is it said to be pure gold why because there is such a thing as con contaminated gold but this is pure gold now it's saying that we i told you that gold represents divine righteousness so god is saying put in the ark my testimony then cover it with my divine righteousness pure gold lace it with my divine righteousness wow you get this in a moment too but don't worry and verse verse um 18 it says and thou shalt make two cherubims of gold and of beating work thou shalt make them in the two ends of the mercy seat so there's supposed to be a cherubim at the two ends of the mercy seat looking down on the golden mercy seat isn't it amazing that the mercy seat is made up of pure gold all right and it is called a mercy seat in other words it is out of god's divine righteousness that his mercy flows to his children wow remember something that we talked about in the book of romans chapter number three and verse 26 that god's righteousness is his right acts so isn't it amazing that the mercy seat is overlaid with gold and gold represents divine righteousness so 
God's divine righteousness has caused him to create a situation such that his mercy can flow through us or can flow to us. So the the source of God's mercy is his divine righteousness. Write that down. The source of God's mercy is his divine righteousness. It is out of his divine righteousness, that is his right act, that he gave up his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the mercy seat, the mercy seat of God, all right, is also triggered or powered by God's divine righteousness. So God has a sense of what is right. And what is right is that he shows us mercy. It's the right thing to do. Wow. So God's right act, God's divine righteousness has made him make mercy available to us. Why is God's mercy seat overlaid with gold? It's talking about the fact that this is what God is predisposed to do. Wow. God is predisposed to showing mercy. Because he is divinely righteous. You see that? God is predisposed to showing us mercy because he is divinely righteous. You want to write that down. God is predisposed favorably to showing us mercy because he is divinely righteous. Alright, let's continue because that's not really where I'm going to be focusing on today. Now, verse 19. And make one cherub, one on one end and the other we've read that 20 and the cherubs shall stretch forth their wings on high covering the mercy seat with their wings and their faces shall look to one another towards the mercy seat shall look one to another towards the mercy seat towards the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherub, cherub be now let's look at verse 21 and thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark and in the ark look, look at this it's repeating itself again look at this because we're going to get this so okay and in the ark it says you shall put the mercy seat above the ark and inside the ark thou shalt put the testimony that i shall give to you wow Thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give to you. This has repeated, repeated itself again. So I'll show you what that testimony is before we close. Now let's look at verse 22 and that's where we're going to stop. It says, And there I will meet thee and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. Not from beneath the mercy seat. Not from under the mercy seat. But from above the mercy seat. From between the cherubs. Which are upon the ark of the testimony. So it's called the ark of the testimony. In other words. It's the ark that contains God's testimony. About the children of Israel. Wow. Of all things which I will give thee. In the commandment unto the children of Israel. Now look at this. Look at this. Isn't it amazing that after the ark had been set, okay, 
the mercy seat was placed above the ark so the mercy seat is right after the ark so let's let's explain this okay this this is going to help you the ark think about the ark as a box the box contains god's testimony the testimony that god was going to give okay that's what is in the ark then you now have on top of the ark the mercy seat overlaid with pure gold now why is it overlaid with pure gold because that speaks of god's divine righteousness that is pure the, the god's righteousness is pure god's righteousness is without contamination man's righteousness on the other hand without god's righteousness man's righteousness is contaminated it's not pure it's in pure gold but god's righteousness is pure so you put there inside the ark the box you put the god's testimony which is god's witness and then after you put that you put the mercy seat which is overlaid with pure gold and it is on this mercy seat that the blood is sprinkled when we talk about the sprinkling of blood it is always on the mercy seat now when you look at the text that we just finished reading you will notice something it says after all of those things have been put in place the ark the testimony in the ark the mercy seat covering the ark the cherubs looking down on the mercy seat it now goes on to say then i will commune with you in other words put all of these things in place and then you would see me commune with you but i will commune commune with you from above the mercy seat because if i commune with you from beneath the mercy seat you will not be able to communicate with me so i'm only going to commune with you from above the mercy seat why because all i see is my divine righteousness and all i see is the blood of my son please write that down the mercy seat, okay let's let's not go to the new covenant let's stay at the old covenant so on the mercy seat i'm going to relate i'm going to commune with you based on my divine righteousness and based on the blood sacrifice which i have accepted now that blood sacrifice has to be spotless and without blemish it might be a bull or a goat or a ram but it has to be spotless and without blemish so i'm going to relate with you not based on what is in the testimony of the ark but based on what is above which is my righteousness and the sacrifice that the high priest has brought okay now that you understand that all right now that you understand that let's take you to some very important stuff some very important stuff all right if you look at the book of leviticus i'm taking it one step at a time leviticus chapter number 16 i'm taking it one step at a time from verse 13 leviticus 16 from verse 13 look at what it says look at what it says and ye shall put the incense upon the fire before the lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not this is the high priest now this is what the high priest has to do now look at this 
Look at verse 14 please And he shall take the blood He shall take of the blood of the bullock And sprinkle it with his finger Upon the mercy seat eastward And before the mercy seat Shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times Seven is a number of perfection So when he does it seven times it is, Number one the, 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 bull, the blood of that bull or goat Is without spots, without wrinkle, without blemish Alright Then he sprinkles seven times Speaking about perfection In other words Based on this The people are perfect Okay Now verse, let's look at verse 15 Alright And then he shall kill the goat Of the sin offering He shall kill the goat Of the sin offering This is a very powerful reality My friends He shall kill the goat Of the sin offering That is for the people And bring his blood Within the veil Look at this And do with the blood As he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat now can you see so he has now brought the sin offering and he has done the same thing he has sprinkled it on the mercy seat now let's look at verse 16 and he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions in all their sins and so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth amongst them in the midst of their uncleanness now see pay attention to this oh this is so powerful I'm loving every bit of it I'm loving every bit of it so now I've talked about the tabernacle talked about the tabernacle I've talked about the ark I've talked about the fact that the ark contains um, te- God's testimony is in the ark then I've talked about the fact that the ark is laced with pure gold then I've now I've shown you what happens on the pure gold it is sprinkled with blood it is sprinkled with the sin offering of the people the sin offering of the people now I want you to take note of something The mercy seat is not the same place as where the sacrifice was made The sacrifice is the altar where the animal was killed The mercy seat is the place where the blood was sprinkled There are two different things <laughs> Two different things the, the animal was killed on the altar Which is usually outside Where everybody can see but the place where the the mercy where the sprinkling of the blood or the place where the blood was shed is on the mercy seat inside the holy of holies and it's only the high priest that can do that this is going to bless you so much so now on the mercy seat we have the blood of sprinkling which is the sin offering now get another thing that is very important I'm saying a lot of things but I, I hope you're getting this Another thing that is very important Is that the sin offering is usually Usually um, 
made available or sacrificed on the day of atonement so on the day of atonement which is once every year an animal is killed for the sin offering then the high priest takes it the blood into the holy of holies and sprinkles it on the mercy seat and when he has done that when he has sprinkled it on the mercy seat then the people are accepted before god without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin so until blood is shed the people's sin cannot be forgiven now see i said something before that you may have missed but i don't want you to miss it god's divine righteousness is seen on the mercy seat god doesn't want to look from beneath the mercy seat and i'll tell you why he doesn't want to look from beneath the mercy seat he's looking from above the mercy seat because all he's going to see is his divine righteousness which is the pure gold and then the blood of sprinkling which represents the fact that an innocent animal has taken the place of the children of israel and now the blood has been sprinkled you see so what god sees now is not the testimony in the box but it is rather the pure gold which is his righteousness and you know the the blood sacrifice what is the object of god's mercy or what what produces the mercy of god one god's divine righteousness and number two the shedding of blood please write this down what produces god's mercy number one god's divine righteousness and number two the blood shed so we have seen it we have seen it very clearly now I mean there's no ambiguity whatsoever now i'm sure you have seen it that we i talked about the tabernacle i told you that moses built the tabernacle according to what was revealed to him i talked about the ark i talked about the building of the ark and the fact that the ark contains the testimony of witness laced covered with pure gold i've talked about the sprinkling of blood which is done by the high priest now let me talk about the high priest for a bit the high priest in um in israel's day was such an important position because the high priest was the representative of the people before god the high priest was also the representative of god to the people okay the high priest actually represented the people before god and so it was important that the high priest was also without spot and without blemish but you see interestingly in the old covenant they could not even achieve that you know why because every high priest first of all goes into the holy of holies to make sacrifices for themselves first before the sins of the people so the question is if god was truly after sacrifices how did an unclean high priest come into the holy of holies in the first place now you see we all know that we were told when we were growing up that if the high priest did not do his job well he died on the spot instantly and because nobody was allowed to go into the holy of holies they always tied a bell on his waist to pull him out because anybody else who goes in there 
without being authorized will die so actually the reason why the high priest died in bible days was if the high priest was careless and if the high priest did not take the time to observe the animal that was brought to be sure that it did not have any blemish or any spots now notice something the presence if you look at the scripture that we just read the essence of the atonement was for the uncleanness of the people of Israel the presence of a person's uncleanness or the presence of the uncleanness of the children of Israel did not disqualify them from God's mercy so long as they had a suitable high priest and they had a, an animal that had no spots and no blemish alright and there was a mercy seat the uncleanness of the people notwithstanding they would still be accepted by God if they had all these other things going on for them but if they didn't have all these other things no matter how clean they seem to be God will never accept them so I want you to pay attention to this because now I've talked about um, I've talked about the high priest as well the interesting thing about the high priest is that even if the high priest was if the high priest was bad the people were rejected if the high priest was good the people were accepted but the problem with the high priest is that even if he was a good person he was a human being which means he was susceptible to death in other words the high priest still died and if the high priest died it means that the children of Israel will have to look for another suitable high priest can you imagine the problem so they are looking for a high priest and they are looking for another suitable high priest now do you understand all of that okay so now based on the sprinkling of blood alright the children of Israel were now accepted and based on the acceptance they now received the supply now let me show you something that is very important I already told you that gold represents divine righteousness silver represents redemption bronze represents judgment please take note of that now as we go further you're going to see something because now I'm going into the new covenant now and you're going to see something very brilliant this is very brilliant very brilliant is going to help you let's go all the way now to the book of Romans chapter number 3 and verse 25 Romans chapter number 3 and verse 25 look at this let's read from verse 24 into 25 then you begin to see everything that I've been explaining all this while you will begin to see everything come together right before your eyes going to begin to see everything come together right before your eyes look at this it says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus look at this verse 25 whom God set be whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God now look at this what I failed to mention to you very quickly I'll just mention that very quickly is that under the law 
when the high priest brings the animal the animal when the animal is killed that animal becomes the propitiation for the sins of Israel now scripture is saying here that God set forth Jesus in other words God brought forth Jesus to be a propitiation in other words Jesus in the New Testament was brought forth by the Father to be the animal for the sins of the world so he was set for to be a propitiation through faith in his blood so his blood was made to be the propitiation please follow this because this is going to really help you i'm breaking this thing down so that nobody is going to deceive you tomorrow all right nobody's going to deceive you tomorrow that uh to access god's mercy you have to do this you have to do that i'm breaking it down so that you would see the basis upon which god is merciful to us in the year of the preferred future glory hallelujah it says now jesus is the propitiation now isn't it amazing that that word propitiation in the greek is healer's turn it is Hilasteron. Okay? That word propitiation in the Greek is Hilasteron. Alright? Now I'm going to show you another scripture very quickly. I want you to pay attention to this. Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse 5. Look at this. And over and over this is going to bless you verse verse 5 it says and over it the cherubs of glory it says and over it the cherubs of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot speak now particularly now let's go to verse 1 of Hebrews chapter number 9 because I want to show you something then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine sacrifice of divine service and a worldly sanctuary for there was a tabernacle made the first wherein was a candlestick and the table and the shoe bread which is called the sanctuary and after the second veil the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all this is all i've been explaining since verse 4 which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold wherein look at this so i told you i've been telling you about you know the testimony of god now let me show you inside all right the ark was the golden pot that had manna this was what was in the ark this was God's testimony the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenants now please pay attention to this I told you I was going to explain this now under the law you're asking yourself why is it that the, the ark of the covenant contained this testimony number one alright the testimony of God concerning the children of Israel Number one was the golden pot of manna, which represented 
the disobedience of Israel. When God told them, don't keep anything overnight and they disobeyed. God's testimony was they were disobedient. And disobedience should be punished by death. So God now says, okay, I don't want you to die. Oh boy, I'm feeling so blessed by this teaching. I don't want you to die. So take that golden pot and put it in the ark. Which represents the disobedience of the children of Israel. Take it and put it in the ark. Now let's look at the other thing that was put in the ark. Aaron's rod that budded. What was this? It was God's testimony that the children of Israel had been lousy. They had circumvented his ordained leadership. In other words, God's testimony was that the children of Israel had been rebellious to his ordained leadership. In other words, God's testimony is that I chose a leader for you and you rebelled against him. You are supposed to die. So that rod that budded was actually when God was trying to validate Aaron's leadership because they were asking questions. Who made you Lord over us? When God wanted to validate Aaron's leadership, he caused a sign to show that this is my chosen one. And that sign was to validate Aaron's leadership by causing his rod to begin to produce almond fruits. As a sign to the children of Israel that you've messed with the wrong one, I chose him. So, the children of Israel were rebellious to Aaron. That's God's testimony about them. They were rebellious to Aaron. So, God says, take that testimony and put it in the mercy seat. Now, what's the third thing that, that the ark contained? The ark contained the tables of covenant. And of course, we know that. We know that the children of Israel, even before God had finished giving the covenant, they were already breaking it. So this was symbolic of the children of Israel's disobedience against God's ordained laws. Which definitely we all know was deserving of death. These were the things in, that were in the Ark of the Covenant. And then God now said, this is my testimony about what the children of Israel has done. But hey... God did not want that to be his final testimony. He wanted a new testimony about the children of Israel. And that's why he said, create a mercy seat, which is symbolic of my divine righteousness, laced with gold, and then sprinkle it with blood. So that now, there's a testimony inside the ark, but there's a testimony above the ark. The testimony above the ark is that God does not see any iniquity in Israel. God does not see any, any, any dissension in Jacob. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the testimony of what God sees now has changed because of what is above the ark. The mercy seat and the blood of sprinkling. So they are trying to explain to you in this Hebrew scripture now That all that you were seeing in the old covenant Was actually symbolic of what was available in heaven There is the tabernacle There is the ark There is that which represents the sins of the people So, ah, this is good, this is good, this is good I have to finish very quickly but this is really good now let's look at verse 5. And over it the cherubs of glory sh sh shadowing the mercy seats of which it cannot 
of which we cannot speak particularly so after they have put all of those things that represented god's testimony about the children of israel that was deserving death now there's a mercy seat and now there's blood which is now giving god a new testimony about the same people now this is describing us now so now there's there's an old testimony about us before the death burial and resurrection of jesus that we were ungodly but now there's god now has a new testimony because of his divine righteousness and because of his mercy seat he now has a new testimony about us which is that we are now justified and now we are now objects of his mercy we are now recipients of his love we are now recipients of his mercy we are now recipients of his provision now one of the things that i want to show you is that the word propitiation in romans 3:25 is the same word that is used for mercy seat all right is the same word that is used for mercy seat very very important the word propitiation in romans 23 25 is the same word for mercy seat that is used in hebrews 9 and verse 5 the same greek word helisterion the same greek word helisterion what does that mean it means that propitiation equals mercy seat in other words propitiation means mercy seats wow propitiation means mercy seat so when he says that he was set forth as the propitiation for our sins it means that jesus is god's mercy seat jesus is the mercy seat of the father jesus is the reason why god is merciful towards us so when we say this is our preferred future what we are saying is that this year because of what jesus did in his death burial and resurrection god is merciful towards us you see so that word propitiation in the you know in the greek also means mercy seats you understand so it means that jesus all right is is god's mercy seat all right it means that god demonstrated his mercy towards us in making jesus the propitiation for our sins God demonstrated his mercy towards us in making Jesus the propitiation for our sins. So guess what? When God, see I said propitiation means mercy seat. So what it means is that when God is looking at the ark in quotes, when God is looking at the ark in the tabernacle in heaven today, he is no longer seeing the symbols of our rebellion, of our disobedience and the symbol of our of our judgment now what he is seeing is his son jesus jesus is our mercy seat jesus is god's mercy seat for humanity jesus is actually the mercy seat do you understand what i'm saying that's the reason why god can no longer be angry with us god cannot visit all of the symbols of our of our iniquity and all of the symbols of our misfortune of our mistake because of what jesus has done so the 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 the, the question is if jesus is our mercy seat all right what more can be greater than that 
what more can be greater than that? What more can be greater than that? Let me show you another scripture very quickly. First John 2 and verse 2. To buttress what I just said. First John 2 and verse 2. Just to buttress what I have just said. Look at what he says. He says, and he is the propitiation. Let's look at from verse 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you see not. And if any man sees, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Look at this. Verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the payment for our sins. And not for our sins only, but, for, but also for the sins of the whole world. In other words, Jesus is the mercy seat that has triggered God's mercy towards us. Jesus is the event that caused God's mercy to cascade through to us. Jesus is the reason why God is merciful towards us. God is merciful towards us because Jesus, our propitiation, is standing in, in heaven on our behalf. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is gracious and kind to us because Jesus is our ever-present high priest that is standing on our behalf. I have something more to show you. I have something more to show you. I have a couple of things more to show you. Hebrews 8. From verse 1 to 3. Hebrews 8 from verse 1 to 3. Look at what it says. Please look at what this says. It says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. Look at this. Look at this. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister. Look at this. Oh, look at this. Oh, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. So there is a true tabernacle. What Moses did was a replica tabernacle. But there is a true tabernacle. Mm. Okay. And we have a high priest who is a minister of the true tabernacle. In other words, he serves in the true tabernacle in heaven. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Can you see? Can you see that? Every high priest is ordained, okay, to offer gifts and sacrifices whereof it is of necessity that this man also has some, something to offer. So in other words, the high priest of the old covenant, the replica um, tabernacle, Alright, they always had something to offer. So, it then tells you, therefore, that Jesus being our lamb, please follow because I'm, 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 I'm rounding this off. Jesus being our lamb could not, okay, the earthly high priest sprinkled blood on the mercy seat in the earthly tabernacle. So it tells you therefore that if Jesus also has something to offer, then it means that Jesus did not shed his blood on the cross, he shed his blood on the mercy seat. So the, the cross was the altar, the mercy seat was the place of the shedding of blood. Just like the altar where the animal was killed in the old covenant and then the priest takes the blood 
and goes to the holy, the holy of holies and sheds that blood on the mercy seat. I showed you that. So Jesus is also the high priest of the heavenly tabernacle. And it is on the mercy seat that Jesus shed his blood. Isn't it amazing that Jesus shed his blood on the mercy seat and he is our mercy seat and he is our sacrifice and he is our lamb and he is our king and he is our lion. Oh, he is everything, church. He is everything, church. Jesus is our high priest. He is our sacrifice. Jesus cascades through all that we need. Glory to God forevermore. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. Look at what it says. It says, But Christ, being, being come an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So can you see it now? Can you see it now? Jesus being our high priest. Alright? Not according to the tabernacle on earth a building that is made of hands but by a more greater and perfect tabernacle not the one made with hands all right he didn't go in by the blood of bulls and goats he went in by his own blood into the holy place so there is a holy place it is on the mercy seat that jesus Offered up his blood. The mercy seat is where Jesus shed his blood. And why is this so? So that God is merciful towards us without any reservations. I've just shown you this is powerful stuff. This is powerful stuff. This is powerful stuff. Can you now see that Jesus was our high priest? So, as a result of his acceptance, as a result, you remember that when Jesus rose up from the dead, somebody was trying to come and meet him and he said, Hey, don't, don't, don't come to me. I have not yet ascended to my father. Why did he say that? Because he needed to ascend to present his blood on the mercy seat. Now, look at this. I'll close on this note. Now we see the symbolism of the two stuff. How that Jesus is a high priest is all of that. Have you not wondered that the Ark of the Covenant, which was symbolic of the presence of God for the children of Israel, which made people prosperous, made Obed-Edom a success, prospered people, blessed the city, and all of that, was a box that contained God's testimony of the people's rebellion, disobedience, and failure, but now covered with His divine righteousness and sprinkled with the blood of, Christ, of, of bulls and goats in that time. Because what was happening in 
the old covenant was a, was a shadow was types and shadows of what truly exists in what Christ your all right was had made available for us in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus but isn't it amazing that that is what represented the presence of God so it means therefore today that you have the full presence of God in your life if only you are aware that God has a new testimony about you there is a testimony of you inside the ark symbolically which is that you were ungodly but there is a testimony of you after God has unveiled his divine righteousness to you and now you are now you know um, um, you now have the blood of Jesus shed for the propitiation and for the remission of your sins God now has a new testimony of you which is that you are justified and guess what the consciousness of that is actually what equates with the presence of God isn't it amazing that the presence of God was not slow songs the presence of God was not um, trumpets or keyboard or any of those things the presence of God was not a serenading voice the presence of God was the fact that the people were conscious that they had an ark that represented all of the symbols of their judgment and now that is now covered with the mercy seat and sprinkled with blood that was the presence of God for them for us today the presence of God is the consciousness that once we were once ungodly but now we have been justified that consciousness is the presence of God the consciousness that you have God's divine righteousness that has been given to you as a gift alright you have that consciousness that you have now been justified that is actually the presence of God the consciousness that Christ paid the price for the mercy of God to be flowing towards you ceaselessly that is the presence of God let me tell you something even if the children of Israel got the best singers and the best instrumentalists and the best vocals and the best everything alright and they didn't have an ark they will be killed they will be slaughtered God will be angry with their song the presence of God is not music the presence of God is not slow songs. The presence of God is none of those things. The presence of God is a consciousness. Alright? That Jesus has paid the price for you to be justified. Look, it is this consciousness that makes our worship to be effective. It is this consciousness that is the presence of God that makes us feel the presence of God when we worship. It is this consciousness that God wants you to have over and above any other thing. So, the, the preferred future is triggered. How? The righteousness of God producing the mercy of God. God's divine righteousness producing God's mercy towards you. That Jesus in his death, burial and resurrection has triggered a response of God's mercy towards you for the rest of your life. You will never be in a place where God will not be merciful to you. There will never be a time that God will relate with you outside of his mercy. Under the law, the children of, of Israel were spared because of God's mercy. Under the law, the children of Israel thrived because of God's mercy. Under the law, the children of Israel flourished because of God's mercy. 
under grace we are in christ we have a high priest not after the tabernacle built with hands but after a tabernacle that is divine glory to god this high priest is our propitiation the propitiation for our sins he is our mercy seat hallelujah it is on this mercy seat that the blood has been sprinkled glory to god and i want to close on this final note bet me this is my last scripture hebrews 4 and verse 16 i want to show you this and then we will be done for today i believe that this has blessed you but i want to be I, I, I mean i pray that you were listening glory to god he now says look at this it says let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need glory to god let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace and there we will find God's amazing mercy. We will obtain mercy. And there we will find grace to help in our time of need. Oh, glory to God. Listen, write this down. The arrangement, both in the Old and New Testament, was by means of blood. Alright? The arrangement, both in the Old and New was that by the means of the blood of Christ, the sin offering would be paid. Alright? The sin offering will be paid so that you and I can have access to the mercy of God. So, when it says, come boldly to the throne of grace, the throne of grace is a throne of God's mercy. It's the same thing. The throne of grace is actually the throne of His mercy. The throne, it's called the throne of grace because it's the throne where we receive mercy. It is called the throne of grace because it is the throne where we receive mercy. It's not the throne of grace. Grace and mercy in this case are not different things. Grace is a person. Mercy is a person. Because of God's amazing grace we have access to god's mercy and because of god's mercy we have god's grace it's one and the same thing grace and mercy is the same thing so when the bible says come boldly to the mercy seat come to the mercy seat is also the throne of grace the mercy seat is also god's throne of grace and what are you to do come to receive mercy why because jesus our perfect high priest has paid the price for the mercy of god to flow to you for the rest of your life what does 2022 look like is a year filled with our preferred futures such that we are recipients of the mercy of god and the mercies of God because we know that Jesus our high priest and our perfect sacrifice paid with his own blood sprinkled his own blood on the heavenly mercy seat in the heavenly holies of holies he is the propitiation the mercy seat for our sins God's answer to sins is mercy 
God's answer to the sins of, the, of mankind is the mercy seat. God's answer to man's rebellion is the mercy seat. And guess what? We now have God's mercy on our side. We now have God's mercy on our side. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's nothing that we cannot attain because of God's mercy that is now on, that is now on our side. Hallelujah. This is something to rejoice about. Thank you for engaging with us in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hello.blueprintstories.org. You can visit our website at www.blueprintstories.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Blueprint Church and on Instagram at The Blueprint Church. Cheers.